Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again, taking a look at another book in the Bible. That's what we've been doing for, oh, a long time now, it seems like, many months. And we have spent uh, the greater portion of probably even the last year uh, walking verse by verse through a lot of different books. Now, we went through some of the wisdom books. We didn't hit those verse by verse that I am completely honest and open about. There was a lot of content there, and hopefully we will get to that at some point, you know, Proverbs and the Psalms to be more specific. But we did go through Ecclesiastes. We did do the Song of Solomon, and um, I, I think it helps us to pay attention to the the fact that, you know, we, we see the Psalms often in churches. Uh, we see Proverbs often in churches, but we don't often get Ecclesiastes or the Song of Solomon for that matter. So uh, we and we didn't go through Job either. Um, Job, we just kind of touched base on a few episodes. But we are working through the Minor Prophets now. And so this kind of portion of the series is going to focus on a Minor Prophet in the Old Testament. And we're not, I'm not working through it in chronological order. I'm just kind of I don't know, picking what I, I find to be interesting in the moment. And so today we're going to look at Abadiah. Uh, it's one chapter. It is not very long in really in its entirety. It's uh, 21 verses. Uh, but we're going to build out uh, some context before we really get into uh, chapter one. And we'll probably read that next week. So we'll do, you know, our, our standard... Uh, a uh, little entry episode, and we'll kind of give the backstory, and the we'll dig into uh, what is going on here in, uh, in in Obadiah, and who he is, what is the, you know the time frame, what's happening, and hopefully provide some interesting context and allow us to uh, just explore through this little short uh, letter. 
So that's the the spiel for this week's episode and next week's. We'll just do this in a two-parter. I'm thinking Amos might be next. I don't know if I'm going to go with him or another one. Um, but we will uh, be working through probably most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. Uh, Hosea is reserved for the patrons, and they get exclusive bonus content from that when I have the opportunity to record those episodes. And so uh, hopefully in the coming weeks I'll have another episode for him, but it's been hectic with Lent uh, and now Holy Week, and it's Easter night, and I'm recording episodes because I'm traveling this week for a wedding that I'm officiating for my brother. And so I have my hands full the next three days getting ready, doing stuff in the house, doing stuff for the church, and being prepared for not being here this coming Sunday, which means Easter evening I am down in my studio recording. So I recorded uh, last Friday's episode and today's episode all in one fell swoop. And so I feel like I have to repeat myself for this week's uh, montage of banter, but uh, we'll see where we go with it. So uh, the biggest thing I always like to start off with is the patron. Uh, It is simply the community aspect. And I really hit that, I think, last week. It's, It's not about the money. The money helps pay for the show, pay for the equipment, pay for you know any upgrades or any software or anything that I'm doing. It helps take care of the cost to run this show and produce content for you. Uh, but, again, I always want to focus it to be on the aspect of community. I want people to see that we do much more than just produce podcast episodes on a, on a weekly basis for you. I want people to see that there's you know life happening behind the scenes and we have prayer channels we're on discord that we can come and uh, bring our our needs to the community and they pray for each other it's a wonderful community we do a secret santa i love that uh we do bonus little giveaways and stuff like that i send books to people on random times and uh you know it, it is just a wonderful blessing to be a part of this community and i and i even made the comment last week and i think it still holds true this week um which has only been a couple hours since I've recorded these episodes, but it's it, it's the truth that doesn't change. It's the fact that I probably wouldn't have met so many great people had I not done, one, the podcast, but two, the patron, because they've come alongside and I've gotten to know them and their life story, and I feel like they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I feel like I've known them for so long. I, I absolutely love that. So that is the spiel of patron. You can give a dollar a month or you can do $10 and some change for a whole year. You can give more if you choose. It's all about the community for me, though. And uh, so as we get into this week's show, um, again, I don't know how long these episodes are going to be. I try to keep them at or around 30 minutes. So some may be a little bit shorter. Some might be a little bit longer. Um, but uh, some of them, you know, especially because I'm kind of wading into some water that I'm I'm personally not ultimately familiar with. And and by what I mean by that is I don't often dwell in the minor prophets. And so this is a teaching lesson for me and it's a teaching lesson for you. Uh, and so I don't know if I can really, you know, hammer out 30 minutes of an episode when I probably can uh, or it might be 25 minutes or or whatever. But um, you know, it I, I it's just for the minor prophets, I find most people will pull like the little trinkets of prophecy that we come across in them, but we kind of ignore uh, other context 
Um, you know, like we're, we're going to, I think we might do Joel next actually, now that I'm thinking about it, we'll do Obadiah and then Joel and, and Joel's got some interesting prophecies in it. And so it, it pays us well to, to understand the context and to understand the, the, the culture and climate that's going on right now. And then it helps us well to just dwell on that because we don't often, as I mentioned, we don't often get to sit in uh, the teachings and hear this type of content. So, uh, you know, I pray that this is edifying for you and that you enjoy this series. And if you do, please share this with other people. Share it with your church. Share it with your, you know, community group. Share it with, on Facebook. I Share it wherever. If you come across an episode you really like, share it, please. And if you do like the show, please subscribe to whatever platform you are listening to. Most of, I think my listeners are on iTunes or Spotify, but we're on Audible Books. We're on Amazon Podcasts. We're on Podbean. We're on, I think, even iHeartRadio. So, I mean, we're on um, any platform that hosts podcasts. So wherever you are, if you have the opportunity, please subscribe. Leave us some reviews. That helps the show get uh, noticed and moves us up in the rankings. And uh, so please, by all means, share it amongst each other and send these episodes out to people. So uh, as always, the episodes are brought by brought to you through Logos. That is what I'm using here on my screen. And you can get yourself a wonderful copy of this amazing software, logos.com forward slash undying light. Revert back to last Friday's episode where I gave you a bigger spiel on uh, Logos. But I want to get into the context here at hand. We just wrapped up Jonah last week. Uh, we are now going to be knee deep into the sacrament series on the Tuesday round. And so we are going to start another new book uh, with the no, another minor prophet. And I don't know if I made this, this uh, you know, declaration uh, earlier. I, I hear sometimes that minor prophets, prophets are depicted because their books are often shorter than the major prophets like uh, Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel. Those are like the prominent major prophets. And then the minor prophets, uh, Micah, Habakkuk, Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, you know, these guys, Hosea even, uh, because they didn't write that many, that, that much. You know, there are a couple chapters in Psalm 1 in Obadiah here. Jonah has four you know, Jose is a little bit longer. I think there's uh, 14 chapters. I would almost venture to say Jose might actually fall into the class of a major prophet. But there's other distinctions than just the length. And, uh, you know, I sometimes think we kind of get lost in that transition. We don't really get to see uh, what or why some of these individuals would be labeled that. And so, uh, I want to kind of just pause here for a moment before we get into kind of the precursor of what uh, what makes a major prophet or a minor prophet. So I think another helpful factor to deciding between the major and the minor is the major prophets generally are going to have bigger impacts, uh, bigger implications, uh, even global from their writings that's going to impact everybody. Whereas the minor prophets are going to be a little bit more narrowly focused. They're going to um, probably have a particular scenario or situation that they're working through. Uh, case in point, we just went through Jonah. So that was uh, Jonah being you know, sent to Nineveh to preach repentance to him. 
and his refusal and then the fish and all that. So the the impact wasn't on the nation of Israel. It wasn't on, you know, the world itself. It was on Nineveh, and it was a demonstration to show us God's grace and his mercy to whom he desires to have mercy on. So that's generally a couple good markers to decide uh, what it would mean uh, to kind of go back and forth between the major and minor prophets. So we're going to look at Obadiah today. Uh, This is going to be the introductory to this book, um, and we will spend uh, some time kind of working through some of the elements behind it to hopefully help provide uh, some interesting pieces to this puzzle of who is Obadiah and what is his story. So let's give a little bit of a timeline here. We are uh, going to plant ourselves uh, beginning at about 605 BC, so 605 years before Christ. And we have Nebuchadnezzar besieging Jerusalem. And then we have the Jerusalem temple destroyed in in 587. And then anywhere between 587 and 553, we have Obadiah being written, this little book. And then we have Cyrus decrees that exiles may return to Judah in 538 BC. And then the altar in Jerusalem is rebuilt in 537. So we have a span of about 70 some years here uh, that kind of center right around the time of Obadiah. And this particular book uh, was written, as I mentioned, anywhere between 587 and 553. So this could have spanned over 30 years. It's not a long book. Uh, or it would probably even be considered probably more of a letter. It's just, uh, it's not long at all. I mean, it is the shortest book in the Old Testament. Um, and so it's an interesting notion to uh, kind of, you know, pick apart and see what's going on here. So we have a handful of places uh, that we will uh, kind of experience in this um, in this little letter. Uh, as we will read through Obadiah next week. Um, the people are going to be a messenger, the foreigners, fugitives, exiles, and saviors. Because remember, uh, Jerusalem has been, uh, the temple has been destroyed just probably at, at or about the beginning of the, the writing of this letter. And then we have the exiles returning to Jerusalem um, shortly after. So Obadiah would be a turn, a, a written letter or book during the time of exile. The purpose of this is to decry the abuses of Eden against fugitives from Judah and to announce the restoration of God's people. So we have some law themes that will peak up. We'll see the pride and security. Uh, we'll see the day of the Lord being demonstrated. And then we have some gospel themes. We have the day of the Lord, which is always going to be a gospel theme as well as a law. We have, uh, the Lord's kingdom being demonstrated. And that I think helps us to understand, you know, what it is. And, you know, this letter's really entailing and, and, you know, anytime we read law gospel and I made this distinction a few times in previous shows, anytime we see a command or, you know, a kind of behavioral aspect added to scripture, do this, and then this will happen or do these things, you know, according to the Lord, uh, we we are finding ourselves dealing with the law. And, and the law is not a bad thing, but it doesn't bring salvation. The law will only reveal to us our sinful nature. 
So if we read the scripture in the law and gospel theme, we have to see that there is still the gospel being presented, restoration, redemption, salvation, uh, hope, all of these things come out of the gospel. And so we can see that as these prophets are writing, as we've read through numerous books, uh, the wisdom books, we see the gospel shining through that it is faith in Christ that saves one. Even in the Old Testament, it is demonstrated explicitly that salvation would come through God's Messiah who would be sent into the world who we know today as being Christians. And on this day, being Easter as I record this, the day that Christ rose from the grave and fulfilled the prophecies. So let's uh, look at reading Obadiah a little bit here. Uh, I got this neat little uh, story, if you would. And then it kind of gives us a a very vague outline over this book. It says, From the safety of a ruddy bluff, he surveys the desert floor, awaiting opportunity. At a great distance, he sees a line of travelers marching southward, wilting in the brutal summer heat. They They have descended from the siege of Jerusalem, where Babylonian towers lifted warriors to the tops of the walls. As the walls came down, refugees poured forth. Through these refugees, though these refugees lacked provisions, they fled in any direction, uh, a break in the line of soldiers allowed. The soaring eagles of Eden, literally black bearded, bearded or griffin vultures, properly represented Eden's soldiers for the prophet Obadiah. Like vultures, the Edomites preyed upon the desperate Judeans who fled from Jerusalem, even though The Edomites dwelt securely in their rocky kingdom carved into the cliffs of Mount Seir. The Lord's judgment would reach them and he would rule over them. Here's what Luther has to say. Uh, I'm actually going to read. I'm going to read all of this because I think it helps. And again, we've got the time to do so again, very short book. So uh, this, these will probably be kind of shorter episodes. Obadiah does not specify the time when he lived. However, this prophecy applies to the time of the Babylonian captivity, for he comforts the people of Judah that they shall return to Zion. His prophecy is directed especially against Eden or Esau, which bore a special and everlasting hatred against the people of Israel and Judah, as usually happens when his friends turn against each other especially when brothers fall into hatred and hostility against each other. Such hostility knows no measure. Now, I did get to preach uh, on Jacob and Esau, and I made a note in one of my sermons on them uh, how Esau's descendants become the Edomites and would staunchly oppose the nation of Israel. And we we have it right here in front of us. This is, you know, the Edomites engaging in warfare against the Jews. So here the Edomites hated the Jewish people beyond all measure and had no greater joy than to see the captivity of the Jews, boasting and mocking them in their misery and wretchedness. Almost all the prophets have denounced the Edomites because of their hateful wickedness. Even Psalm 137, verse 7, complains of them and says, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem. How they said, Raise it, Raise it down to its foundations. This hurts beyond measure when men mock and laugh at those who are wretched and troubled, defying them and boasting against them. It constitutes a great and strong assault upon their faith in God and a powerful incentive to despair and unbelief. 
Therefore, God here appoints a special prophet against such vexatious mockers and tempters and, comf- and comforts those who are troubled, strengthening their faith with threats and denunciations against such hostile Edomites. Those who mock the wretched and with promises and assurances of future help and rescue in such distress, this is truly a needed comfort and the one who brings it a viable Obadiah. At the end, he prophesies Christ's kingdom that it shall not be Jerusalem, Jerusalem only, but everywhere. For he mixes all nations together, Ephraim, Benjamin, Galad, the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Zarephites. This cannot be understood to refer to the temporal kingdom of Israel. For according to the law of Moses, these tribes and people had remained separate and, dis- in their, and distinct in the land. So really only one challenge for readers as we get into this uh, particular uh, letter or book is the date and authorship. Obadiah is closely related to Jeremiah's oracles against Edom as Obadiah 1 through 6 states and Jeremiah 49, 9 through 10 and 14 through 16 state. Obadiah 1 refers to we and a messenger. And Obadiah may have been modif- uh, may have modified Jeremiah's oracle for a specific use. This uh, thematic and literacy relationship helps us to date Obadiah. This book fits best in the first half of the exilic period between 587 and 555 BC. The earliest date for its writing is the fall of Judea and Jerusalem to the Babylonians in 587 BC, while the latest date must be before the campaign of the Nabadeans against Edom in 533 BC. Blessings for readers reading this book. Little Obadiah would often and easily be overlooked. However, carefully consider how this short prophecy is emblematic of all Old Testament prophetic books, emphasizing the Lord's reign on behalf of his people, which he would extend to other nations. This theme anticipated the coming of Jesus, whose merciful rule creates the church, which now encircles the globe. So just the quick breakdown here. Uh, there's four divisions in this letter. Uh, in these 21 verses, we have the superscription in verse 1. Uh, that is telling us the vision of Obadiah. That's verse 1, uh, part, you can call it A. Uh, and then verse 1B through verse 4, we have the first proclamation against Edom, the humiliation. 5 through 7 is part 2, is the second proclamation against Edom, displacement. Verses 8 through 18 uh, is broken into a few divisions here. It's the third proclamation against Edom. Verses 8 through 15 are doom and accusation. And then 16 and 18 through 18 are restoration for Jacob, Judah, and the destruction of Esau, Edom. And then to round out, we have Israel's restoration and the kingship of Yahweh. So that is the outline to Obadiah. It's short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, we have about eight minutes left until our normal ending of the show. Um, but I would really like to just kind of conclude it here. Uh, this will be the shortest episode I think I've ever done. Um, and maybe I can banter for another few minutes. But I really want to illustrate, you know, 
the course that we will be taking in these next few episodes is looking at some of these minor prophets and exploring uh, the writings, you know, because a book like Obadiah is probably, you know, if you're just flipping through the Old Testament looking for something quick to read, you may just miss it because it's only 21 verses long. And, and even still, if you've never even heard of Obadiah, you will probably never read it unless you read a, you know, a Bible plan that calls to read it every year. And so for most readers, I would venture this, take the time, take the opportunity and search it out, read it for yourself and dwell on it. See what is going on. Take what I said in this episode, if you are listening and apply that to an understanding of this, of this book before you dig into this book. And next week we will read all 21 verses and we will explore uh, all of these little uh, kind of uh, breakouts, if you would, these four kind of divisions. Divisions is a better word. We'll, ex- we'll work through the four divisions and we'll see um, the three proclamations against Edom and then we will see the restoration and kingship of Yahweh. And so that will be next week. And then we'll go on to Joel. I'm really interested. It's catching my eye. So we'll hit Joel up uh, after this. Uh, And then we'll continue working through the sacrament series on Tuesdays. Tuesdays episodes are going to be uh, focused solely around the sacraments uh, for the next handful of weeks. And we will be working through baptism in a series of uh, episodes touching base on scripture and looking at how the early church fathers saw and read that scripture. And then we will see uh, through the Book of Concord various aspects to understanding uh, the Lutheran position on baptism. And then we'll wrap it up with a episode on its questions and misconceptions type uh, setup and format. So that's that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it here at 25 minutes. So, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you have a blessed week. We will be back Tuesday with another episode in the sacrament series. And then we will be back next Friday to finish up Obadiah and really dig in and dwell upon this rich little book. Thanks so much for listening to this shorter episode. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And until next week, God bless and take care. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.